Covenant Fellowship. Hope you're all doing well. I'm going to sing a song over you. So stay seated.
Is that good news or what, church? Amen. Would you stand and let's celebrate King Jesus, our Savior, our Messiah, by singing joy to the world. The Lord has come. Amen. I love that outfit. That outfit. It's very pretty. Joy to the world. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. for me that was fun for me joy to the world wow what a gift that we have in jesus amen all right let's continue to sing angels we have heard on high
Hey, fellowship, the Christmas season is upon us, and it's time for us to focus our hearts on celebrating the birth of the Savior and all that means to us personally and as a church. And one of the things we do around uh, fellowship this time of year is the gift. And the gift is an opportunity for us to make an above and beyond contribution, a, a gift that is special to the Lord, just in honor of Him sending His Son to save us. Over the years, you've been so generous in the gift, and we've been able to fund many things in our ministry and with partnering ministries locally and globally. And so we are so excited to present that opportunity to you again this year. And I just hope that you would pray about it as a family and, and let's make a special gift to the Lord uh, this year. The elders will take the contributions and pray over them, and then we'll distribute those to partnering ministries and even special things that are going on around here. Fellowship, you've always been so generous, and what a great opportunity we have in this time. Man, that's a big old Sam up on that screen, isn't it? I turned around and went, whoa, good night. Hey, it's good to see you this morning. Welcome, and Merry Christmas. Yeah, it's great to be here with you this morning celebrating, and I do want to thank you for your participation in the gift in the past. It's such a great opportunity for us. I don't know how many decades we've been doing this, but I remember the first year we did it, we said, you know what, we give gifts to one another. Why don't we give a gift to God? And through the gift, it has allowed us to bless so many ministries. I, I, I think it would be in the hundreds of ministries that we've been able to bless. We get far more requests than we can honor, but we give away hundreds of thousands of dollars every year because of your generosity to the gift. And so thank you for participating, and I'll remind you that there are envelopes at the doors, and you can also go to our website and do that electronically, but we just want to knock it out this year and uh, do a lot of great things. We've also been able to do some things on our campuses that uh, we hadn't budgeted uh, through the gift, and so your generosity makes a huge difference. Welcome to all of you. If this is your first time with us, it's great to have you here at Fellowship, and uh, we encourage you to let us know that you are here. Get to know someone. Stop at the info booth out there. And get to know some of our community pastors. We would love to visit with you, and uh, we'll enjoy this Christmas season together. I want to thank you as well for participating in the elder recognition process. We've gotten lots of great nominees, and now the real work begins for our elders as we begin to pray through these and discern from the Holy Spirit. And we ask you to pray for us as we do that. It's so important that we get this right. Right, Rod? Rod served on our elder board for several years. And uh, it's important that we get this right, and our elders lead us and do a great job of that. But please pray for us as, as we enter into this season and this process. And I also want to uh, thank you for participating in our capital, capital improvements initiatives. We have a lot to do here at Fellowship Rogers. You know, there are some code things over 25 years that change, some things that we have to take care of. And while we're at it, we're going to refresh these buildings Take some of that popping out that you hear in this ceiling. Oh, you'll hear it a little bit when the sun warms up. We just want to do some things around here that'll make a difference and, and bring our campus up to date, make it much more usable for Fellowship Mosaic, celebrate recovery and some of the things that they do. And uh, so we invite you, please, to go to our website where it says Capital Improvements. Uh, you can set up recurring gifts there, like I have. And uh, it will make a tremendous difference. We want to get this done and pay for it, not ever use any debt for it if we possibly can. And so thank you for participating in that with us. I also want to uh, remind you of our Christmas Eve services. Christmas Eve is on Sunday this year. If you haven't looked at your calendar, that's when it happens. The services will be the family services. Family services will be at 9, 10, and 11 a.m., and then the traditional services, which are more friendly toward adults in the evening, uh, traditional services will be at six, uh, 6 and 7 p.m., and you will enjoy those. And so look forward to the Christmas Eve services this year. I want to mention to you, our hearts have been broken on all that's happening in Israel. And recently, I uh, recorded a podcast with Dr. Mark Bailey. We talked for about an hour about the crisis in Israel. And uh, that's the Ride Home podcast. That QR code on the screen will take you right to that particular podcast. But just took a break. Robert Cup and Gary, and uh, not Gary, he's, Gary's retired too. Uh, Robert Cup and Nick Rowland and I have been doing a series on the end times. We're in the book of Revelation right now on the podcast. Uh, but just wanted to take a break to uh, ask Mark to give us 
a biblical perspective on all that's happening in Israel right now. And so if you have questions about all that, it's a good resource for you to go and get some information about that. With that in mind, in this Christmas season, all that's happening there, hearts break as we see the pictures, as we hear the stories. Let's take a moment uh, before we come back and worship together. We want to prepare our hearts for communion as we take that this morning as we're focusing on peace. We're focusing on peace. And we know there are parts of the world right now where they do not know peace. Could we just pray for peace in our world, peace in our hearts, and begin preparing ourselves for communion? Let's just bow and pray. Oh, maker of peace, author of peace, prince of peace. We come to you this morning and ask, Lord, for peace in our world. Oh, Lord, we know there will always be bad actors. But we pray, Lord, that your peace will fall over those who are innocent. Protect them. Watch over them. We lift those up right now who are in harm's way. We pray for peace in our country in our cities, in our families. Lord, we want to breathe in your peace. We want to be purveyors of your peace. How easy it is for us to get caught up in the struggle. Speak to us and through us, Lord. And Lord, as we prepare throughout this service, as we prepare our hearts for communion, Lord, speak peace to us, peace that only you can give. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.
fellowship. Let's continue to worship the Lord together. Sing it if you know it. Silent night. Silent night. Holy night. All is mine. All is mine. young virgin, mother and child. Holy infant, so tender and mild. Sleep in heavenly peace. Sleep in heavenly peace. Silent night, holy night. seated. Luke chapter 1. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. 
And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. In our celebration of Advent today, let's focus for a few moments on Mary, the mother of our Lord. She's something of a mystery to us, isn't she? We wonder, what did she look like? What what was she like? We're just not told a lot. We know that she was a poor young girl living in Nazareth. She was engaged and then married to a local builder. We aren't told that she was special in any way. There isn't anything in particular that would make her different from the other girls there in Nazareth. We don't deify her because there's nothing in Scripture that suggests that we do so. But she's rightfully admired as a faithful and obedient servant of God who was chosen to be the mother of the Son of God. Jesus could have deified her in Luke chapter 11. He had every opportunity to do so right there. When someone in the crowd, actually a woman in the crowd, called out, Blessed is the mother who gave you birth. But Jesus said, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. He didn't take that opportunity to elevate Mary to some level above everyone else. No, he said the most important thing is we all hear what God says and put it into practice. And Mary and Jesus, it seems, were in agreement on her role in God's great design. She was ever at peace with what God had asked her to do. And so should we. So should we. In Matthew chapter 1, if you read the genealogy of Jesus, you're going to find four ladies there plus Mary. But let's look at those four ladies for just a moment. There was Tamar, a woman who had an improper relationship with her father-in-law. There was Rahab, a woman of ill repute from Jericho. There was Ruth, a woman of questionable heritage. She was a Moabite. A people group who were ever at war with Israel. And then there was Bathsheba, a woman who had an adulterous relationship with King David. All of them in the genealogy, all of them Gentiles. They were in the genealogy of Jesus. The Bible doesn't gloss over their sin. If four of them, as they were Gentiles, they were poor, unimportant, somewhat tainted, An unknown. But God didn't list them in the genealogy of Jesus by mistake. He knew they weren't perceived as perfect, but he accomplished his purposes through them. It's a good reminder for us. We're not perfect either, are we? But God will still accomplish his purposes through us if we make ourselves available to him. Then there was Mary. A young girl whose integrity was called into question, no doubt, in the town of Nazareth. Even the guy she was engaged to considered divorcing her quietly. It took an angel to change his mind. Jesus' family history was indeed quite dysfunctional. So if yours is too, be encouraged. Luke 1, 26, let's look, look at this story. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, that's a time stamp for us. In the sixth month, God sent. Those are important words. Just to circle those two words in your Bible, God sent. Because the incredible plan of God for redemption of mankind as foretold by the prophets was being set in motion. Beside those words, you ought to write hallelujah. God is proactively seeking the salvation of mankind. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee. There wasn't much to be desired in Nazareth. 
As a matter of fact, Nathaniel said in John 1.46, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Jesus, he's from Nazareth? You're going to follow him? Nazareth was held in low esteem. It wasn't that great a place. But from its precipice, you can look out over a valley where more battles have been fought than anywhere else in the history of the world. The Valley of Jezreel and the Valley of Megiddo, the Valley of Armageddon. It was from that same precipice that when Jesus first went to Nazareth, the, the people there tried to throw him over the cliff. So it was a tough place. The angel went to the t Nazareth, the town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. She was the daughter of Eli, of the tribe of Judah, the lineage of David. She probably worked hard like most young women of her day. She probably had dirt under her fingernails, more wrinkles than she should have had, browned by the sun. She was just an ordinary girl. But an angel came to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And her response was basically this. Who, me? Who, me? Couldn't be. God chose Mary. The scriptures don't indicate that she did anything worthy of being chosen of God to give birth to his son. Anything more on our part is pure supposition. He chose her. He chose her. Just like he chose you. It's not that we seek God. He seeks us. And chooses us to accomplish his purposes. He's not looking for our ability, but our availability. Just to say yes. And so what would Mary say? Well, she was greatly troubled at his words, it says, and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. What is this? But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. Yeshua. Yeshua. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. Remember those words, because throughout his life, she's going to probably remember that phrase. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Here she was, pure, innocent, wondering what all this was about. And she asks a question, how will this be since I am a virgin? That was a great question, wasn't it? A great question. And the angel answered her. The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One born to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from the Lord will ever fail. Nothing is impossible with God. And this is one of my favorite parts of the story. Mary responded to him, I am the Lord's servant. May your word be to me be fulfilled. I love how it's stated in the old King James Version, be it unto me according to your word. Be it unto me according to your word. Chosen of God, humbly obedient, I will. Wherever you want, whatever you want me to do, I will. That's the way you and I find peace in this world, is by saying yes to God. We aren't, when we aren't willing to say yes to God, we live a life of turmoil and misery because we're always at conflict. We're always at conflict with what the Holy Spirit is calling us to do. And so it's easier just to say, yes, God. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll be what you want me to be. 
So after this, we told she visited her cousin Elizabeth. It was around a 90-mile journey, about a week's journey to get to Elizabeth. And she stayed there for at least three months. When she left Nazareth, she wasn't showing. When she came back after three, probably three and a half months, a week there and a week back, and there may have been a little more time in between, she was definitely showing. And you can bet that made the tongues wag in Nazareth. See, nothing's changed. People still talk. Made those tongue wag, tongues wag. Isn't she betrothed to Joseph? And now she's pregnant? And we know that it caused some trouble with Joseph as well, right? He, he thought, I, I, you know, what do I do here? It's not my baby. There was a, a real, real issue there. He was deeply troubled. Mary's response saying yes to God came at great cost and great risk. You see, in our culture today, it's pretty commonplace, but not in that day for someone to be pregnant outside of wedlock. She would forever be known in small town Nazareth as the girl who got pregnant during her betrothal period to Joseph. And try explaining that as divine conception. Yeah. Right, right. Uh, we'll see an angel came and talked to me. and Yeah, right. It was tough to explain that one away. Here's the thing I want you to see in this. She submitted herself to God. Be it unto me according to your word. And we need to be willing to do the same. You see, this world has changed. Changing every day. And it's moving further and further and further away from God. Are we willing to stake our reputation and our belief in Christ so strongly in the word of God that we're willing to face ridicule from the world? Or do we just kind of slide by and identify the world and keep our mouth shut? You see, not Mary. She wasn't able to hide it, and she put herself in a very precarious position by saying yes to God. You know, what biblical truths would you need to stand for in this culture that you might be ridiculed for? Chances are the Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now. You know what those are. Mary did it. She's an example for all of us. And notice the angel didn't tell her everything. He didn't mention the pain and suffering or the heartache she would endure for all these wonderful promises to be fulfilled. We don't have that luxury either. Sometimes following God can be painful and difficult. But Mary walked through it. But she knew the promises of God and she followed him faithfully. She's prominently mentioned in the scripture in the early years of Christ's life, but in the Gospels, she's only mentioned four times after those early years. I want to look at some of the places that she's mentioned and just watch her life. One of my favorite portraits of Mary and of the Nativity is of her holding that baby. And in 2.19, when it says, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. After the shepherds had been there and left, they'd no doubt told her the story of the angel and all those things that happened. They'd been turned away and, and, and had to go to this obscure place where there was a cave or a small building. We don't know, but there was no room for them. At the end, she was turned away. All of this, she's sitting there with the baby. And it says she treasured up all these things. And pondered them in her heart. You think about that. What that young girl was holding in her arms. Matthew 2.14. The angel came to Joseph and said, you got to get out of here. They're going to kill him. And so they went to, to Egypt. Here's another journey. Another journey. A difficult journey all the way down to Egypt. She did it. Luke 2.49, a fun story where they were at the Passover and then they left the Passover festival and were headed back and they were about a day out and realized, where's Jesus? You ever left one of your kids here at church? 
We did. <laughs> you got them? No, I don't have them. You got them? No. They're about a day out. In three days, for three days, they searched for him. And finally, when they found him, and remember what he said. Why were you searching for me? He asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? Don't you know there were so many times that Mary throughout his life, she was just raising kids. She was just raising kids. She was just in the throes of raising kids. When there were times when he said something like that, she thought, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, you're God. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. His kingdom will never, oh, yeah, that's you. Okay. <laughs> Think about her as a real person. I love this in John 2, 5, at the wedding at Cana, where one, his first recorded miracle, and we say recorded because there's no doubt he probably did other things along the way. Uh, this, this sort of indicates that. Because Mary knew what he was capable of. And when they ran out of the good stuff, the good wine, at the, at the wedding, she goes to him and said, they've run out of the good stuff. And I love what he said to her in, in Greek. He literally said, what to you and what to me? What to you and what to me? She just looked at the servants and said, do whatever he tells you. I love that brassness of that Hebrew mother, that Jewish mother. I was in Miami one time. There were a group of us. We were singers, and we were singing in Miami, and, and uh, we heard about this Jewish restaurant called the Famous Restaurant. And we went there, and we had this wonderful Jewish lady who didn't take any grief from anybody. And we were all ordering and so forth, and she just kept shaking her head. Finally, she said, you Gentiles, I'll order for you. <laughs> and she did. She brought us a multi-course meal. It was beautiful. We wound up singing for her, and she cried, cried, cried. I'll never forget, though, seeing that Jewish mother at work. I'll order for you. No, you don't want that. <laughs> she came to see him one time in Capernaum. While Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother and brother stood outside wanting to speak to him. And Jesus did not give them preferential treatment. He said, the ones who believe in me are my mother and brothers. Matthew 13, 55. We see the disdain because they were from Nazareth, because it was Mary this woman who got pregnant to the guy named Joseph. And Joseph is not mentioned here, and so we wonder if he had died. Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas not apostles? I didn't think anything about them. And then in John 19, 25, near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. She was there to comfort him while he was suffering the most cruel death anyone could ever, ever suffer. Hanging on a cross, she was near the cross, as close as they would let her get. And we can see his love for her when he looked at John and said, take care of her. Behold your mother, behold your son. Take care of her. And John did. John did. He would live a long life and he would care for Mary. In Acts 1.14, after Jesus ascended into heaven from the Mount of Olives, we have a reference to Mary. It said, they all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. She just kept on believing and kept on praying. That little baby, as the old song, Mary, did you know, said, that baby you delivered would soon deliver you. There are virtues we see in Mary's life that are worth emulating, her humility. Be it unto me. She mentioned her humble state twice in, in her Magnificat. She had more to boast about than anyone else in the Bible. You ever thought about that? She had more to boast about than anyone else in all the scriptures. Yet she never does. She never deified herself or elevated herself in any way. Selflessness. 
In submitting to the will of God, she gave up life as she knew it. Whatever plan she had when she said yes to the angel, be it unto me according to your word, she gave up life as she knew it. That happens with our global workers, doesn't it, Jason? They give up life as they know it. Gratitude. And realizing that God had chosen her, she expressed her gratitude through praise. We're going to have the opportunity to do that in communion in just a moment. As we take the bread and the cup, we express our gratitude and our love for God and our thanks for all he's done. Trust. Trust. His angel made the promise, the angel made the promise to Mary. She expressed her trust in God by saying yes to him. I read a book this summer, and the end of the book, the pages were, had a seal on them. And when I got to that section of the book, it said the author said he'd been a very successful uh, life coach to different people and, and had some very good things in it. But he said, uh, don't break the seal on the book if you don't want to know the secret to the success that I've, shown, that I've had. I thought, wow, should I break the seal? Do I want to know? Well, of course you're going to break the seal. And this is what he said. I didn't even know it was a Christian book. When I broke the seal, it said, I take God at his word. I take God at his word. He believes, he trusts in God. And then her consecration, her commitment to God. She served him faithfully her entire life. I hope these words this morning and these scriptures that I've chosen, I hope it paints portrait for you of Mary. Max Lucado in some of his writings does such a fantastic job of this. And I, I found this the other day and I thought, I just want to share it with everyone this morning. Maybe close your eyes. Just think as I read these words about that scene there at the manger. God had entered the world as a baby. Yet, were someone to chance upon the sheep stable on the outskirts of Bethlehem that morning, what a peculiar scene they would behold. The stable stinks like all stables do. The stench of urine, dung, and sheep reeks pungently in the air. The ground is hard, the hay scarce. Cobwebs cling to the ceiling and a, and a mouse scurries across the floor. A more lowly place of birth could not exist. Off to one side sit a group of shepherds. They sit silently on the floor, perhaps perplexed, perhaps in awe, no doubt in amazement. Their night watch had been interrupted by an explosion of light from heaven and a symphony of angels. God goes to those who have time to hear him. So on this cloudless night, he went to simple shepherds. Near the young mother sits the weary father. If anyone is dozing, he is. He can't remember the last time he sat down. And now that the excitement has subsided a bit, now that Mary and the baby are comfortable, he leans against the wall, of the wall of the stable and feels his eyes grow heavy. He still hasn't figured it all out. The mystery of the event still puzzles him. But he hasn't the energy to wrestle with the questions. What's important is that the baby is fine and that Mary is safe. As sleep comes, he remembers the name the angel told him to use. Jesus. We will call his name Jesus. Wide awake is Mary. My, how young she looks. Her head rests on the soft leather of Joseph's saddle. The pain has been eclipsed by wonder. She looks into the face of the baby, her son, her Lord, his majesty. At this point in history, the human being who best understands who God is and what he is doing is a teenage girl in a smelly stable. She can't take her eyes off of 
somehow Mary knows she is holding God. So this is he. She remembers the words of the angel. His kingdom will never end. He looks anything but a king. His face is prunish and red. His cry, though strong and healthy, is still the helpless and piercing cry of a baby. And he is absolutely dependent on Mary for his well-being. Majesty in the midst of the mundane. Holiness in the filth of sheep manure and sweat. Divinity entering the world on the floor of a stable. Through the womb of a teenager. And in the presence of a carpenter. She touches the face of the infant God. How long was your journey? This baby had overlooked the entire universe. These rags keeping him warm with the robes of eternity. His golden throne room had been abandoned in favor of a dirty sheep pen. And worshiping angels had been replaced with kind but bewildered shepherds. Meanwhile, the city hums. The merchants are unaware that God has visited their planet. The innkeeper would never believe that he had just sent God into the cold. And the people would scoff at anyone who told them the Messiah lay in the arms of a teenager on the outskirts of their village. They were all too busy to consider the possibility. Those who missed his majesty's arrival that night missed it not because of evil acts or malice. No, they missed it because they simply weren't looking. Little has changed in the last 2,000 years. Let's not miss the opportunity this morning to praise Him, to worship Him as we observe communion. Hold the elements after you receive them and then we will all take together. Let's pray. Would you just pause for a moment and ask God for peace in your life? Oh God, give me peace. Let me know the peace that only you can give. Would you pause for a moment and just ask God to use you? Are you willing to say, be it unto me according to your word? Lord, I'm willing to do whatever you've called me to do. Lord, help me to be faithful in the little things. Be it unto me according to your word. And now think about that baby in the manger who became the Savior of the world dying on a cross for us. Prepare your heart to express gratitude by remembering Him. Shadows of Bethlehem's light. 
body broken for you. Take and eat and remember. His blood shed for you. Take, drink, remember. Christmas reminds us that peace
can be ours through Jesus Christ, our Lord. It reminds us that God reveals himself in unexpected ways, in unexpected places, to unsuspecting people, like shepherds, like Mary, like us. The shepherd's candle of peace is lighted. May we anticipate his coming by realizing his peace in our lives. Oh, come let us adore him. Oh, come let us adore him. Oh, come let us adore him. Christ the Lord. May he give you his peace. God bless you.